Hey, I'm Jess O'Callaghan, and this is the Audiocraft Podcast. This is an episode of the podcast Hey Auntie, recorded live at the Calex in the Royal Botanic Garden, Sydney. On Hey Auntie, host Chantelle Weatherall shares fireside chats with black women and non-binary siblings who've been there. You're going to hear from guests Faith Chaza and Renee Williamson. Chantelle asks all her guests a big question, and after a weekend of talking about collaborating and finding other podcast people, the question she put to Faith and Renee was, Hey Auntie, how do you find your creative community? Guys, uh, I thought I'd give you a little bit of a flavour of Hey Auntie with uh, our intro. There you are. I've been expecting you. I've just popped the kettle on. Come on in. Hey Auntie. Hey Auntie. Hey Auntie. Hey Auntie. Hey Auntie. Hey Auntie. How do you find your creative community? Welcome, everyone. Thank you so much for being here for our first ever interstate Hey Auntie live show here at the beautiful Calyx at the Royal Botanical Gardens in Sydney. Thank you so much for coming out, guys. Now, before we get started, it's at my absolute pleasure to acknowledge the country that we are on today. I'd like to acknowledge the traditional owners who are the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. I pay my respect to their elders, past, present and emerging, and I extend that respect to all First Nations Australians and all First Nations mob, whether they're in the room today or listening. I uh, want you to know that I truly believe this always was and always will be Aboriginal land. I'm a Belize Creole woman. That means that my family and my ancestors uh, arrived in Belize after being taken by force from Ghana about 400 years ago. I'm really proud to be here with you today and to be like the wind and the sun and the flowing river, free, as a testament to their strength and to the fact that when I die... (laughs) So I wanted to say thank you to all of the local mob who've offered me kinship and welcome here on their country. Thank you very much to the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. Now guys, this episode is all about how do you find your creative community? And I've got two awesome local creative powerhouses here to chat through that with me. We've got Faith Chazza. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Faith. So, Faith is a reluctant adult. (laughs) (laughs) Having grown up in Zimbabwe, Botswana, and South Africa, Faith now spends their time in Sydney learning how to be a real person, wrangling data by day, and in their downtime, creating music, and on occasion, playing with words. Some of their words can be found on Itch, Aerodome, and The Ghost Eater, and the Other Stories collection. Thank you so much for being with me, Faith. It's a total pleasure. Thank you. And along with Faith, I have the amazing Renee Williamson. Welcome, Renee, guys. Renee is the program manager at Kuru Radio and the Gadigal Information Service. She produces and presents the Indigi hip-hop show. Amazing. And it's a weekly hour of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander hip-hop music that is syndicated across Australia on CBAA's community radio network and in the US and Canada and on the Native Voice Network. She's previously produced shows for ABC Radio and she's part of Sound Up, uh, the Spotify bootcamp for First Nations producers. What a crew. Renee, <laughs> welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Now, 
how do you find your creative community? We picked this question, um, me and Jess were chatting, and we were like, what's a, what's a good thing to chat about at AudioCraft? And we picked this question about three weeks ago when it feels like the world was entirely different and full of hope. <laughs> and so it feels like an extremely pertinent question right now. Um, I just wanted to acknowledge that a lot of us are feeling a little bit frightened and perhaps a little bit unsure and unsafe because of things going on in domestic and world politics. And as creatives, I think this is a really good time to think about what's my creative response to this? Um, how do I double down into my work? That's definitely my approach to dealing with a crisis. So I wanted to ask my beautiful guests, Faith, what's your response in times of uncertainty? Where are you at right now with everything that's going on? And how are you uh, holding on to your work in the face of that? I think it's just to create more. I think one of the things that I found uh, in the last year or so is I've sort of come to accept that uncertainty that's just from now till forever. Like, uh, I think when I was younger, I was like, cool. When I hit 30, things will settle down. <laughs> when I hit, you know, like, actually started with when, I, when I'm 16 and grown up. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> and I buy a house and a car. <laughs> yeah, so I think um, now I'm just like, okay, like, it's actually, I'm more comfortable now with uncertainty. And I think it's just to keep creating and not to wait for X or wait for W. It's just to sort of bunker down and uh, do what I can with the, with the people I love and trust. I love that. And you, Renee? Well, I think in times like this, this is the time where our communities, like, we come together and we rely on each other and we come together. And I think in terms of the arts and creativity, it's like this is, you know, where we shine. Mm. <laughs> I don't know, that sounds a bit, bit funny, but, you know, the, the arts communities, the creative communities are the ones that provide so much, you know, political and social commentary. Um, you know, we get the inspiration from hard times. You know, it doesn't have to be the way, but I think the responses that we see coming out in the creative communities are better than you know, the news that we get these days. So, yeah, I, I think that there's, you know, this is the time where we really bond together. Absolutely. Look, I wish that there was an opportunity for us to see what we would look like without uncertainty. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what sort of work we could all make. But this really is the time for us to shine. And I am so impressed with some of the work that's coming out uh, from the wider creative communities right now. And I know that uh, an essential part of my own survival strategy for uncertain times is to pull my people really close and to be really sure of who I trust. Um, and so the idea of creative communities is, you know, we mention it a lot, but what does that, what does that even mean to you guys? What does that look like? Um, it's really weird to answer this question. I don't want to sound glib, but I feel like all of the communities that I'm involved um, with here in Sydney or here in Australia tend to be creative communities. I think um, outside of, you know, my day job, I, I need that refuge and even I found in people who I didn't necessarily think were part of a creative community or would end up being part of my creative community, um, they've turned out to be, you know, secret board game makers or, um, you know, just really interesting people. So I think that for me, my creative communities are, you know, refuges from like the day-to-day onslaught that is living in 2019 the grind yep <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think uh for myself as you know an indigenous woman uh i guess with our culture um there is no separation of arts and creativity and and our being like because it's so interwoven into what our culture is so um yeah so it's a bit innate in in that way in terms of creative communities and I know even when I'm catching up with you know my mates who are creatives even if we're not talk, you know not creating stuff or in putting something in works we're just supporting and being there for each other and having the cup of tea and you know talking through life 
Um, I also think, uh, you know, I have a few different, you know, multi-creative communities and communities. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I love about the work that I do with Career Radio is that I get to facilitate creativity. I get to, you know, bring these people onto the radio and, um, you know, whether it's musicians or the, the, the producers, the presenters, and facilitate their creative process. And that's something that I really love. It's also something that I do um, in my spare time <laughs> with my business because I also do artist management, like with musicians. And I think, you know, that's that, for me, like I've said, like, it's just about me facilitating that which also unfortunately means that sometimes I put my own stuff on the back burner. But, um, yeah, I didn't really answer the question, did I? <laughs> I'm picking up what you're putting down, Renee. It's and beautiful. It, and even, like, as an example, uh, this week, we've got an Aboriginal women's organisation in Redfern called Mudjingal, and they're having regular yarning circles with the w- women there. And so this week I'm going to a earring you know, weaving, making um, circle. And I think that that's really good. It's just a thing of going there as women sitting down, talking and creating something, but also, you know, we're we're there for each other and as a community, and I think that's really beautiful. That is beautiful. So let me maybe flip the initial proposition on its head. Do you think that to have a thriving community, it must be innately creative in some aspect? Hmm, that's a good question. answer it first. Because I, I would just say that I, I had kind of thought um, I have my communities over here, my family, and then I have, you know, oh, these are my creative friends. Mm. But actually, maybe that's an unnecessary distinction. Maybe we can introduce an idea of creativity into all of our communities as part of making them self-sustaining things. Yeah, and I think, I think the, the, the jewellery-making workshop is a, is a classic example of that. I don't think it's necessarily creatives that are going to go along mm-hmm. to that. It's just women in general that, that are interested in, in, in that and that the creativity is, is the... Um, not the conduit, sorry, I'm looking for the right word. You know what I'm getting out, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, get, I get it. Yeah. Um, it's the in. Yeah. But really, yeah. what you're there for is bonding with your people, not feeling alone, and creating that connection. Yeah. So maybe that's part of what we can contribute as creatives, inverted comma. Um, maybe we can use our skills to create those opportunities. Yeah, I think... I don't know, like, it goes back to that thing of, of facilitation. I think, you know, um, it's it, you plant the seed and it grows. And sometimes it just, like, I think you, you don't think of going to a music gig sometimes as being part of a creative community, but it is. You know, there's lots of things that we do every day. Like, I could even say that sitting there and talking with my mates about trash TV <laughs> is creative, right? <laughs> like a creative community. <laughs> yeah. What's your trash TV of choice? Oh, don't make me... <laughs> <laughs> As if I wasn't going to ask. Real Housewives and the Kardashians. <laughs> yes. I watch just for all of the hair changes. <laughs> okay, back on topic. <laughs> Um, Have you ever had an experience where you're like, oh my goodness, this is why I invest in creative community. This is when all of that investment pays off. Faith? Every day. Um, (laughs) I think this festival and the people who are involved here, this is a great example of a really welcoming community that is creative. Um, I think sometimes, for want of a better word, I've been in uh, mainstream creative spaces and there's no no joy, there's no warmth, there's no um, way in. Like, uh, you are here to spectate the art and then you must leave, please. (laughs) So, um, I think whenever I'm in a space like that, that's when I'm always like... Thank goodness the communities that I am a part of, you know, it's about celebrating joy. It's about, even if what we're working with and um, a lot of the women I work with have, like, incredibly tough subject matters that they're um, writing about um, and, you know, it's not, they're not fun. But it's always important to celebrate each other and it's always important to, um, you know, be there and be joyful about what we're doing. It's not this sombre 
you know, I mean, yes, respect the art, but be human about it. And I think uh, that's, those are the times when I'm like, thank goodness the communities that I'm part of are warm and joyful. Yeah, absolutely. Like, you can keep your creative community. <laughs> but mine, I love. <laughs> what about you, Renee? Yeah, I think that's such an important point. And I guess going back to the first question of, um, you know, when times are tough, you know, we come together and just the humour in creative... Like, we're not comedians, but we just get together and have a laugh. Um, anyone that's listened to my show, like, probably thinks... Uh, am I a crazy woman? Because I literally laugh all the way through my show, which is about hip-hop. It's so un-hip-hop. Um, <laughs> but, you know, that's who I am. And I don't care if it's breaking the rules of, like, you know, you shouldn't do that on, on radio when you're recording this. Like, but this is me and this is how I, you know, I, I want to be. Um, yeah, and again, I've deviated away from the question. <laughs> no, I love that. I, um, I think that one of the things that I love the most about us is that we have the ability to bring joy and find mm-hmm. joy in some incredibly tough things. Mm. And I, I treasure that. Mm. And I think it means that uh, a lot of the creative spaces that I'm in, because they do feature so many incredible black women, are spaces where I'm able to just get relief. And sometimes we need that. Mm. Um, thinking about um, your creative practice, Faith, I know that you write as well as making music. And uh, how do the communities that you formed reflect your practice? I was thinking about this and I think um, I'm going to talk about my writing practice first. Um, I think the community that I'm most involved in around writing is centred in Western Sydney and it's centred around the Parramatta Artist Studios. That's a community called the Finishing School Collective and it's fantastic. Um, I think when I was younger, for anything to count as a community, it needed to be co-located, it needed, you know, physical nearness, we needed to be catching up at the same bar, in the same studio, doing the same thing. Um, but I think as I've grown up a little bit, what I really appreciate is working with people who are working on other things and, like, it. that's what makes it more, you know, of a community. So we're not necessarily doing the same thing but you know we're all sort of writing uh, and we all you know there's uh, one place that we will probably meet up you know Parramatta but um, I think it's not it doesn't have to be co-located it doesn't have to be uh, real time uh, you know Facebook Messenger is probably the thing that underpins um, a lot of my community uh, chats um, so I think that's around my writing practice and uh, the communities that I'm in around writing. Uh, and then with music, it's uh, almost a completely different story. With music, I think I'm almost anonymously part of a lot of uh, online communities, uh, a lot of forums, uh, a lot of YouTube uh, video watching and like uh, chatting. Um, and that's really interesting and I really enjoy that as well because it's uh, it's a way to be part of a community without that anxiety of uh, contributing Um, Mm. because you know you can jump on and have a couple of conversations and then you know you don't need to be there for another two months you can just consume and I know that's something that is you know sort of not a good thing in creative communities is you know to be a consumer but it's it's sometimes you know you talk about relief and it is that it's just that opportunity to see what other people are doing uh to be inspired by it and to learn from it but also at like a self-paced um self-paced pace that makes sense yeah (laughs) (laughs) I think that's a that's such a good point because as much as we love being part of communities, it is, um, it's a two-way thing. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you don't actually have the capacity mm-hmm. to socialise. Sometimes you have the capacity for sweatpants and couch and Uber Eats. And it's beautiful that now with YouTube and, like, black Twitter, mm-hmm. my goodness, 
it sustains me. <laughs> and so there's so many ways for us to interact with creative community. Renee, you are very much on the ground, you're at the radio station. How do you interact with your creative communities? Yeah, I guess it, this is an interesting one for me because I guess I still struggle to see myself as a creative. Right. Um, so I, I still have a bit of imposter syndrome, I guess, there. Um, so I find with communities, like, it can be a really... Where I've found a lot of value in creative communities is the check-in. You know, how are you doing? Like, so you don't have... It doesn't have to be a thing where you've got together and you, it's just how are you going, you know, what are you doing? Even if it's just that getting out of the house to break out of the Uber Eats and lounge-like routine. <laughs> we all know that, the one. <laughs> So it's just getting out for a cup of coffee and, you know, being out in the big bad world um, but facing it with safety. And I think the safety mm. element is a very big part of our communities is, you know, like I know uh, we've talked about social media and, you know, you've got those friends that, you know, if something's gone down, you know, online, they're in, they're in your message straight away. Are you okay? You know, what's this, what's this person's deal? Um, you know, there's a lot of strength there and I think that's a really, you know, social media is a double-edged sword but that connectivity is one of the, the beautiful things about it and especially around um, creativity. I guess I feel a bit in the radio, um, like I've already said, you know, the stuff about facilitator, facilitator, um, but it's also a bit uncomfortable with me too because I also have to be, you know, the, the authoritarian as well in terms of that, which is a role that I have to get a bit more um, comfortable with and where that, that sits um, with me because I'm a, I'm a very, I'm very anti-censorship. I'm, you know, I don't believe in, you know, stepping on people's voices and that. So this was a big struggle that I faced in taking on the Indige Hip Hop show because um, with our time slot and the station that we're on and the stations we go to, I have to do radio-friendly hip hop, which is like... <laughs> The worst. I don't want to do that, you know. I don't believe in, you know, it's like, why are people so scared of swear words? Like, and this is our voice and this is what we use. Um, you know, and this is just stuff that we have to navigate every day in terms of finding our way and, and how we mould our creativity and fit into those spaces, I, I guess. How, how did you, um, how do you navigate that with a young artist who you really want to put on, give them that exposure, but you have to play the role of the facilitator and, and talk them through it or find a compromise with them? That's where I take on the auntie role. <laughs> <laughs> You what, know, does, what does that look like? But also being mindful, you know, because I can't enforce myself as an auntie on, on everyone, but I believe in honesty. I believe in being, like, I'll, I'll tell people, like, if there's artists that I want to put on my show and I can't play their music, I'm just like, look, I hate doing this. I hate that I have to ask you for a, for a radio-friendly edit, but, like, I really want to play your music. Can you, can you do it? But I understand if you don't want to, um, you know, take those words out. Um, so, yeah, it's just... Having the conversation, really, I think is... And, and that, that openness and that honesty is, is how I navigate it. Yeah. yeah, so important. I wanted to ask you guys, you're both uh, involved in storytelling. Renee, you're doing uh, Sound Up and you are a writer faith. Um, how do you think that storytelling comes into forming your communities? I know that being really far from home in a really weird way, having to introduce myself and find my people has meant that I've had to become really familiar with the key details of my own story that connect me to other people. And so in a really weird way, I've kind of become this kind of concentrated Jew of myself because <laughs> I have to keep introducing myself and you know, giving people the little summaries. So how, does, how do you use storytelling to connect with people and form community? I think for me, it's really important. Like mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. the stories we tell about ourselves to other people enable us to find either common ground or to be able to decide thank you for your time, but I don't want to spend more time with you, you know. And, and I understand exactly what you're saying about being far from home and know, like, I, I can, you know, tell you who I am now in, like, 10 seconds or less. Um, but it's also 
when we decide what's important to us right now helps us find those um, helps us find those communities. Like um, I'm I'm a massive queer mo, and uh, <laughs> if I wasn't comfortable weaving that into the, the stories I tell about myself. I would find it difficult to find communities where that was, you know, forget accepted, where that was celebrated, uh, you know. And I think it's it's important because a lot of time, I think sometimes people think that, oh, you can see who I am, you, you can see me, so you must know who I am. But I think it's important to think about the stories we tell and uh, unfortunately often the reactions that we do want to get from other people, um, you know, are dependent on the stories that we are willing to share and it's uncomfortable sometimes because you don't want to go into the depths of who you are and hand over like a, like a chunk of your heart every time you meet somebody new but it's it's a quick way to filter out the people who won't take care of that part of your heart Ooh. Yeah. Word. <laughs> Renee. Yeah, it's interesting because, I mean, hearing you both talk about being away from home and it's like, I guess, in our situation, even though I'm not on my country, like, this is our home and we're still struggling to find um, that place for our stories in terms of, like, we've got our stories here, you fellas listen. And um, so it's not so much that we don't know how to tell our stories or, or won't tell our stories, it's that people don't want to listen to our stories. And it's also that thing again of, like, you know, code switching and, and how much do you change, you know, the radio-friendly version of your, your stories, like, what do you do there? And I'm, I think it's really, you know, great that, you know, terms like unapologetically black <laughs> are so common these days because, you know, that's it. It's like, you know, we're not going to apologise for our blackness and we're not going to apologise for our stories because these are our stories and... The funny thing is, too, is, like, a lot of the time they're your stories as well. You know what I mean? Like, these stories didn't just happen to us. This is a shared, you know, story in this country that we all have to own and hear and, and listen to. Uh, yeah, so I think, you know, coming from a, a culture and a peoples that are still really struggling to... We're not struggling to find our voice. We have our voice, but those voices... Um, are always, you know, people want to muffle them or deny that they, they exist. Um, but, yeah, you know, in terms of storytelling, like, again, innate in culture, you know, the storytelling, we come from an oral tradition. That's how our, our culture is, is passed on. It's just a part of us. We, we, te we tell those stories and we, te we tell them. And the, there's people, that's their role. They're the, they're the storytellers. And that's why I love working with artists and in radio and, and podcasts as well. You know, it, it's just... Tell those stories, tell those stories. I think that it's a rare privilege to be given access to the stories, especially of our uh, Indigenous fam. Um, but I also know what it feels like when you, you take that risk, mm. as you say, Faith, and you make yourself vulnerable and people are not responsive. Man, that hurts. Mm -hmm. It really hurts. So, Renee, how do you how do you protect yourself, and how do you teach the the young musicians and makers you work with to protect themselves while still being open enough to be vulnerable and make connection? Yeah, I think with musicians it's really hard. Like with every musician that I've probably ever known, Aboriginal musician and worked with the same thing happens. If you're telling your story and you're telling a black story, people will tell you, oh, why don't you change what you're saying? Why don't you do a party track? Why are you going to talk about this? Why are you going to talk about that? And it's like, this is just who I am. Like, I can't relate to your story either, but I can still listen to it. You know what I mean? Like, um, so, yeah, it, it's it's tough. Like, and I think it's, it's, it's one thing where you have to be really strong in your sense of self and your identity to be able to tackle that. And it's also something that myself, in working with those artists, have like I have to navigate also that I'm not coming down on them and enforcing, you know, because I've got really strong beliefs and I don't think you should bend and I think you should be like this. But it's like, but what do you want, you know? And, you know, how I navigate then, like, you know, am I going to be able to work with you if you decide to do this? Um, but, yeah, it's, it's tough. Like, I don't know how you can um, prepare 
people for that other than being there for them. And I think that's where the community stuff really plays in because when you do start to doubt yourself or you are facing, you know, those questions or that critique, I can guarantee you there's another mob there that you know that's that's faced that same thing and they will help guide you through that, that process. Wonderful. I know that for me, uh, creating this podcast was very much about trying to create... Uh, a space where we can have conversations with each other. Mm-hmm. I read uh, Rennie Edo Lodge's wonderful book, Why I'm No Longer Talking to White People About Race. Mm-hmm. And it enlightened me. And I realized that probably 98% of the conversations I had about really critical things were me trying to convince somebody that mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. even existed in the first place. Mm. And that, apart from being infuriating, it's not a good use of my energy, mm. um, my creativity. And as soon as I diverted most of that into actually having conversations with wonderful people like you two <laughs> and like this beautiful audience, um, I found that actually my impact was multiplied because I, I just was like, if you're still having the does racism exist 101 convo, go down the hallway and mm-hmm. second door to the left. I don't know what's in there, but go through it, please. Yeah. <laughs> um, while the rest of us will actually be talking about how we work through it, how we dig deeper, how we make amazing work, how we use our pain as a catalyst. We're going we're gonna to launch off and go beyond, and we're going to leave those people behind. Yeah. And so having things like Career Radio and Sweatshop and those spaces is so critical, isn't it? Yeah. What yeah. do you think, Faye? Oh, I'm going to make a quick correction. Uh, sorry. Oh, uh, sorry. Uh, finishing School Collective, finishing school. not Sweatshop. Uh, They're dope yeah. too, though. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They exist as well. They're out there. They're good. Uh, uh, auntie fail. <laughs> I'm the yellow team, not the blue team. Yellow team. Um, sorry, I, I missed the question now. Is, uh, oh, gone it's worth I got, it. Yeah. Um, having spaces where we're actually just speaking to each other. Yes, definitely. I think that's super important because um, uh, I'm going to talk about being queer for a second. It's just like it's really frustrating when everything around uh, queerness is about in relation to heteronormativity because that's boring. You know, like, and uh, if you're going to be talking about, uh, I'm from Southern Africa, if you're going to be talking about my blackness only as it relates to Australian whiteness or Australianism in general, that's incredibly boring. Um, It's just, you know, let's talk about something else. Let's talk about, um, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that we shouldn't talk about race and uh, issues around race or issues around... um, uh, discrimination, issues around systematic, um, you know, oppression, systematic uh, inequity. Uh, those are all very important uh, conversations to have, but they're not the same as... So which one of you is the man? You know, like, it's... <laughs> yeah. Like, we need to have more interesting conversations. And I think it's when you start to talk to... Um, you start to talk to other people... Uh, and move away from convincing other people that you get really interesting um, conversations. Um, and that's what I love about the Finishing School Collective. It's, um, it's all um, women and women-adjacent people, and um, it's just, you know, we, we all make different types of work, but we can all have conversations about the impact of, you know, race on our work or the impact of, you know, um, growing up as women or being socialised as women or, you know, the impact of, you know, uh, Sydney as a segregated city. Like, we can have conversations where we don't have to start with, you know, okay, so racism is and then move on from there. And it helps you grow as well rather than spending all this energy uh, you know, building up foundations for other people. You can actually, you know, build your own house. Um, and I think that's important. And it's also great because then other people can see your house or your partially built house and go, yeah, I want to build a house too. Exactly, exactly. Renee, what's your experience of that? Sorry, can we go back to what the question is? Because I just got lost in Yeah, because we, 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 we'd be meandering. Yeah. Um, so we're talking about how 
not spending all of your time and creative energy on racism 101, racism mm -hmm. exists. For instance, I think that when I'm speaking, when, I, when, I, when you make anything, you've got to think about whose eye it's for. Mm -hmm. And so much of the content that wonderful people I love make I can feel that they are speaking to whiteness mm -hmm. because so much of it is establishing a case for why it's okay for them even to be there or to speak. And, and it's like 50 pages before you even get to the, the beauty of their skill and their originality and their art. And so I actually realize that when I'm thinking of my audience just as white people, I use most of, my race is central. Mm, Whereas mm. when I think of my audience as my fam and my community, or just people who get it, people who understand me, mm. my race is a peripheral issue that I have mm. to meander around on the way to getting to the actual bigger objective, which is to make that amazing mm. hip hop. Yeah, I think um, a, a kind of good example of this is is the debate around um, Invasion Day, dun, dun, January 26th. Um, I'm, I'm just like, you know, I've gone through every kind of phase in the lead up to that date every year. And I don't think people understand the amount, like still don't understand the amount of anxiety and hurt and pain comes into the lead up of that day. Like I'm at the point now where I get off social media like two weeks to a month out and just like I love that the conversations are hap happening but I can't deal with it. Like um, I've, I've spent, 20, you know, days where I've just been, you know, in bed, like just not able to kind of go anywhere. Um, and when you do go anywhere you have to run the gauntlet of, you know, Australia Day celebrations until I can get to the safety of Yarbin or a survival day in whatever city that I'm in and that's my my sanctuary um so in terms of online now that's what I do I'm like uh, you know my thing is I just say to them I'm not going to argue my humanity with you like if you're still at the point where you're arguing what happened um in this country then you, you need to educate yourself I'm not going to do it um and you need to bring yourself up to speed because we need to move past this argument and actually move on uh, and yeah, I think that that's, you know, I don't know if it's just getting older, but that's, that's <laughs> or, or getting fed up or just getting really jaded, but that's, uh, you know, plus the toll of the emotional labour that we, you know, are forced to endure in terms of educating people or having these debates and, and, and you know, conversations or whatever you will. It's just like... I just refuse these days to just sit there and, and argue, you know, my worth as a human being and that, you know, my story is valid and I'm not going to live in, you know, this crazy fantasy land that you have. Uh, yeah, so I, again, going back to the thing that I said about, uh, you know, hip-hop artists and, you know, their content and what they create, it's like, man, just do stuff for you. Like... I think there's a time and place, like, you know, we all have to, you know, you know, potentially walk that commercial line of, like, I, I can get paid if I do this or I can think. It's like if you want to go there, go there, you know, but ultimately it's your decision and you're the one that has to live with it and if you can justify it to yourself, then go on ahead and, and do it. Uh, yeah, and I think there's still a lot of validity in, in, in creating for different audiences but at the end of the day, I think it's really great that there's so much, you know, creative content these days that is coming out that is, like, unapologetically black. <laughs> and it's more interesting to everyone, mm. to everyone, because the, what, what I learned recently, I actually called 30 listeners from season one, and I, all demographic groups, and I talked to them, and I was really surprised to hear all different people saying we're bored mm, of just mm. the same old convos. Mm. I think when you underestimate your audience, mm -hmm. you get what you expect. Mm -hmm. And then when you expect people to rise to you, they'll do it. Mm -hmm. You find your people eventually, right? Yeah. Um, and, and you'd be surprised. Like, who knows? Like, a lot of it is just the luck of the draw, so to speak. So how do you know that your work, like, people won't be receptive to it or it won't be, you know, and, and what about if it just, like, resonates with one person? Or what if it just resonates with you? There's still value in that. Yeah. I love that. Check your intention, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's beautiful. 
So you have your sanctuaries. The world out there can be tiresome as. <laughs> but I had an experience last week. I came down to Sydney and I got to go to an incredible design uh, festival conference with lots of big wigs from all around the world. And uh, there was a group of uh, black sisters there and uh, we were having so much fun. We were just kind of ducking out and just like dancing and taking photos and coming back in and having a laugh. But then I had a moment when I realised that I'd spent the entire day just hanging out with my fam and I hadn't introduced myself to anyone. I hadn't done any networking. And I realised that actually there is a risk that wanting that safe space can actually become stunting of your growth in itself. So uh, how do you guys make sure that you make space for having diversity of opinions within your own close creative circles? I, 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 I was laughing at your description because it's like, you know, the whole spot the other black person in the room and then you just like <laughs> go, to go to each other and you find each other. Um, but, you know, but that's also, you know, has its power as well because we need, again, that safety in spaces. Like we need to find our belonging in spaces. And I like to, I don't know, I make people come to me sometimes. Like, it's <laughs> <laughs> so like, we're having fun. You come talk to us because you're like. <laughs> but yeah, I, I do think that there's, um, there is a balance. Um, but again, I think that's, it's a two-way street. You know what I mean? Like people have to be open to also coming and talking to the group that maybe isn't doing things in the normal or the, you know, accepted way within the room. Uh, and I think, again, then people can go a bit too far and overcompensate sometimes, but... Hi! <laughs> <laughs> you guys have great hair. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But, yeah, I think, you know, I find, like, the lunch and everything is always a great, like, everybody's got to eat, right? Um, <laughs> Equaliser, you have some great conversations in the food line. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> no, I think that's really valid because um, safety is important. Yeah. I think, sorry, safety is important. Yeah. I think especially, uh, surprisingly, in 2019. Um, but I think diversity of ideas is always going to, grow your worldview. Mm -hmm. It won't necessarily add anything positive. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean... Um, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your contribution. Yes. But, Delete. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> um, so I think uh, it's always important to me to sort of know what um, else is out there. Um, but it doesn't mean that you need to trust uh, a huge diversity of voices. As long as you know what's out there, you can still trust the people who you need to trust. Um, but when it comes up to, again, just making sure that people know that you are open to, you know, saying hello. Because I think the other thing is uh, people are scared. Mm -hmm. I, you know, I, you know, anxiety is everyone's, um, you mm -hmm. know, cold these days. You know, it's just, <laughs> so just trying Ouch. to... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but um, <laughs> just trying to like uh, like grease those like social wheels and make things a little bit easier for other people to say hello. How do you do that? Oh, <sighs> fake it till you make it. That's my thing. I say I, I I have a hat on. I have an invisible hat, and that's my networking or business hat. And that's how I yeah go in there and I just become this different person but not a different person like I just for some reason it's just it's like that whole thing of people say like you know imagine your audience naked which I don't know how that's supposed to take away all you all you guys for look the, really beautiful naked listening, by the way but I'm looking at the audience like a creep <laughs> but I just like that's, that's such a weird thing right like wouldn't doesn't that make things awkward to imagine your yeah, audience like that yeah, but it, it really makes does. you feel as awkward as they feel maybe um yeah but it's the best advice that I ever got about about networking and, and being in a room full of people is um, from a, a really great guy called Mark Yedika Paulson and he, he was just like this gun networker and he just said, they're just people. And I was like, yeah, 
we are. We're all just people here, right? And if you're in a room full of, you know, a whole lot of people that you haven't met before, you're usually you have you're in that room for a common reason that you all share. So that's that's the in. Um, for music uh, stuff, I found also. Um, I have a pair of Nina Simone earrings and they are the best icebreaker. That is, that, that is when people come to me. So <laughs> That's how you get people to come to you. Nina that's Simone the earrings. secret. Nina that's Simone the, earrings. That's, uh, trademark, guys. Yeah. yeah. I just wait until it's uh, the drink session of any yeah. events. Yeah. Because yeah. uh, uh, then I can be like, oh, no, I'm just, you know, I'm just relaxed because the alcohol. <laughs> but um, I think it's 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 difficult. Like it is it difficult, is. and um, I mean, even being here is a bit awkward. You know, like uh, I'm sitting on a high chair in front of a couple <laughs> of uh, people talking, and it's 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 weird. But it's about like um, acknowledging how awkward it is. Um, and I think Mindy mm. Kaling said it best. You know, just remember all the mediocre white mm. dudes mm-hmm. who've been up there and done a shitty job. And, uh, yeah. you know, you're probably going to do better than that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 love, love that guy the most. So, guys, I'm going to ask my guests one more question and then we're going to have a short audience uh, Q&A. So have your questions ready and shoot your hands up in a few minutes after this question. So, guys, what sort of auntie would you say that you are? I love how black aunties are. Let's just call them characters. Um, And I am the clapping too loud at your gig in the front row auntie. Like, full, like, walrus stroke seal vibe. (laughs) You know you are loved. Um, What sort of auntie do you reckon you guys are? I, I'm the auntie finger auntie. I'm the one that will pull you up and will, you know, tell you that you're doing wrong, but I'll also, you know, I'll explain it to you and I'll give you lots of love and I'll make you a meal and, you know, make you feel safe and loved. I feel like that's the kind of auntie. I'm also the embarrassing auntie, I think. I'm not the cool auntie as much as I want to be, but I'll slip you a $20 note so that you think that I'm cool. But, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm getting a reputation already and I love that I am, like, earning aunties. Like, I'm, I actually am an auntie, which is the most amazing experience. But in terms of, you know, culturally um, that, you know, there's a lot of people that are scared of ageing and, you know, don't want to be called auntie. I'm like, bring it on. (laughs) Bring it on, you know. Comfortable shoes. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Faith? I'm the auntie that none of the kids realise is an adult. Uh, (laughs) You know, like, I'm the one, like, the kid's like, yeah, but but why is Faith sitting with the grown-ups? And it's like, uh, thank you. I know I do have a little bit of acne, but, um, you know, uh, I am grown. Yeah, but uh, I think it's just because, you know, maybe it is because I am, you know, competing uh, with them, you know, when it comes to, like, running from one side of the room to the other. Uh, I'm as childish and I want as much attention as they want as well. (laughs) Oh, I I absolutely love asking that question. (laughs) Guys, uh, we're going to have a mic coming out to you now. If anybody has a question about creating community, telling stories, anything really, pop your hand up. Don't be shy. Come on, guys. First question. Ask us questions. Compliments, even. We also take compliments. So you don't believe I'd be the embarrassing auntie? (laughs) I have a question. Um, What's your favourite quality in your favourite auntie? What's the auntie you aspire to be? I want to be the auntie, and I probably will be, but... um, I think my favourite aunties were the ones who were like, oh, yeah, no, we know you're gay. It's chill. It's chill. Yeah. Like, uh, we won't tell your mom yet, but it's, it's super chill. Like, uh, we love your girlfriend. She's cool. Come, come be family. Like, those are the aunties that, uh, you know, that unconditional love, full acceptance, forever vibe. Oh, we all know I wanted to be the cool auntie. <laughs> I'm not. I'm, I'm coming to peace with it. But no, my favourite auntie is probably the auntie that I want to be. Like, they're, they're the ones that will pull you up if they, they think you're doing wrong, but they also shape 
you know, your worldview and your knowledge and are just there for you so much. And, um, yeah, hopefully that. Also, my aunt, one of my aunties used to have the most amazing shoe collection and I hope that I'm um, <laughs> keeping up that tradition. I, um, I, my favourite auntie Denise was the flyest woman I had ever seen in my life. And I grew up in a tiny little English village in Lincolnshire. And she rolled in with like a full straight from New York wardrobe and blew my mind. <laughs> and so I, I can only wish to emulate her coolness. But uh, yeah, she's my auntie idol. <laughs> Hi, I've got a question. Where You were saying before how um, getting back to basics and engaging with discussion with people who really don't get it is just exhausting. But when you do decide to engage in discussion with someone d with different views, how do you approach it and what's the best way to sort of protect yourself from that exhaustion? That is a great question. I, to be quite honest, um, I won't engage with it unless I can get, get some kind of feeling that the person is open to the conversation. So if, if, if I feel that people are open to the conversation and they want to engage in, an, in a conversation rather than just like an attacking debate, that's when you're gonna, I'm going to go. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's just being used to it by now like is, is that a form of protection yeah. it's like <laughs> I am browbeaten it? <laughs> um it's interesting because you said differing viewpoints right I have different viewpoints from my partner in a lot of things including for example whether or not my desk should be clear of things um so there's differing viewpoints and then there's um hateful intentions, bad behaviour and uh, demeaning interactions. I think, um, you know, different viewpoints is, uh, you know, like, um, which is the best bar to go to on Monday night? The answer is the Shakespeare. Um, uh, a conversation I will not engage in is, uh, you know, anything around like neo-nazism like we just know that we're just feeding the fire like sometimes you've just got to be like you can't even pretend that this is a legitimate conversation just step away because all you're going to do is you're going to shout you're going to be made to look ridiculous and hysterical because that is the correct thing to do in the face of fascism is be hysterical uh you know so just don't engage if it's ridiculous that's my my go-to. Oh, amen that. I could not agree more. I think that, to be really honest with you, I'm like, I made a podcast, listen to season one. <laughs> I, I, I honestly, all joking aside, I, I don't feel an obligation to educate anymore. That has been, oh, I'm, I'm three inches taller from that alone. I make my work, and if you're in this room, you're probably here because you're some sort of creative. I don't feel any responsibility to educate on an individual level anymore. I pour a lot of love and intention into creating something that shows you us in an authentic way. We open ourselves up and we're vulnerable and we let you see us, like really see us if you want to. And if you're willing to step out of your armchair then there's a lot to be gained from listening but there is people who actually want to engage in debate as sport and I have I feel no obligation to entertain them anymore and I think something that I've come across a lot is um, knowing the power of not engaging so the power of walking away which is really hard for a stubborn person like me um, but yeah it just takes too much out of you to engage in an argument that you know isn't going to go anywhere but also you know I talk about us knowing our worth in, in terms of the power of the buying you know so by me so this is in terms of signing on to to something you know like I don't if I put my name to something there's there's a power in that you know, and I'm not going to authenticate, you know, 
programs, events, um, people, you know, arguments, whatever, that don't hold any worth for me or my people. And I'm just not going to engage. And um, I don't see that as, as a loss. I see that as, as a win. Agreed, agreed. Any more questions? I've got a quick one. Thanks for a fabulous session this oh, afternoon. Thank you. Uh, do you make auntie mixtapes to share the knowledge and, you know, tastes of you? What a fabulous idea. <laughs> I'll be editing that out of the episode cut so that uh, I can come up with that throughout the course of season two. That's, that's one of the great things about my job, though, is I get to curate, like, playlists all the time, like, whether it's for my show, whether it's for the station. Um, you know, it, it's just sharing um, the soundtrack, love. Uh, yeah, by the way, if uh, people really want a really good soundtrack at the moment, she's got to have it season two. The soundtrack is amazing in that. Well done, Spike Lee. <laughs> Just knowing he's in the same city, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Don't leave now. I'm watching you. <laughs> well, yeah, that's why I DJ. I like, uh, I like being able to foist... Uh, my taste onto other people. Uh, I remember back in the day, um, oh, questionably obtained uh, music. It was 2003, I apologize. Um, like uh, somebody gave me like a copy of Transatlanticism and it's not necessarily good if you go back to it now, but it like changed my worldview. And I was just like, I am gonna continue doing this. Here is music I love. Take it, enjoy it. You don't enjoy it, you haven't heard it enough. <laughs> Just listen to it again. Yeah. I love that. Guys, one more question, one more question. Uh, cool. Sorry. Yeah. So I don't know if this relates, but because the podcast is called Hey Auntie, I was curious how do you deal with aunties that have boundary issues? I used to have an auntie who. Uh, <laughs> uh, I used to have an auntie that would come to our house, knock on the door, see that we weren't home go through the back door, our back door was, well, was always open at that time, go through the back door, uh, come inside, close the door on her way out, um, put the kettle on, make herself a cup of tea, and sit in the lounge room waiting for us to come back home. Yo, well, my answer is you moved to Australia. <laughs> we were in Australia. My aunties are all in the UK. I, I literally, I, I, I got nothing, because they got powers. <laughs> You guys? Yeah, move to a new continent. It's working great for me. Yeah, I um, have to do the different city thing. But, um, but in all seriousness, though, this is something that I've learned a lot in the last couple of years and it is a really hard um, thing to navigate with black communities because um, our family is, like, such an integral part of, you know, our communities, our society, our culture. Um, so that thing around healthy, healthy boundaries... And, and being able to exercise, form those and exercise those is really important. It's really hard, but I think it's really, really important. And it's something that we have to acknowledge that while our families can be our strengths, there can also be quite um, harmful things there. And, you know, also intergenerational trauma, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah. Is, you know, a hell of a thing to deal with. But, um, yeah, healthy boundaries. I don't, yeah. Uh, yeah. One quick thing on that. Yeah. The upside of, um, like, boundaryless families is that when, when you need help, you don't have to um, navigate through, you know, in, like, in my cultures, cultures, um, there's no such thing as a wedding invite, you know. You don't invite people to a wedding. Everyone will be at your wedding. Um, <laughs> but it also means that when you need help, you know, people aren't going to see it as a burden. And um, I think that's something that I've seen maybe in other places. I'm just like, how is this possible if this person has family on this continent, you know, on this earth? How, how is it possible for this person to be so alone? Um, and I think that's, you know, that's, that's one upside of yeah, uh, some, not having boundaries. Some upside there. Now, all, all jokes aside, uh, I have had to deal with my aunties. And there is a moment when you become an adult. And I truly believe 
for me, it wasn't the moment I, I stood up to my parents. It was the moment I stood up to my aunties. Because um, I don't know about y'all, but in my family, the matriarchs, the auntie circle, are the enforcers of all of the family standards. And I think that the most important thing for me in doing that was having robust communities around me outside of my family. Part of adulthood is finding your chosen family. And part of the reason you have to do that is because sometimes your real family will be angry with you. <laughs> and so that allowed me to say to them, hey, auntie, you're being toxic right now. <laughs> or we were at the supermarket, why are you in our living room? <laughs> <laughs> and that really was the last question we have time for you guys thank you so much can I oh thank you thanks to Faith Chaza Renee Williamson and host Chantelle Weatherall Hey Auntie is produced by Chantelle Dubanuba Michelle Macklem and Chantelle Weatherall it was recorded by Tegan Nichols for Audiocraft 2019 at the Calyx in the Royal Botanic Garden, Sydney. The Audiocraft podcast is produced and mixed by Ryan Pemberton, with production help from Brianna Kennedy, and the music is produced by James Milsom. This is the final episode of our podcast for 2019. If you haven't already, check out our epic back catalogue full of interesting conversations with creative people. If you're a fan of this session, you might like Unpacking Blackness in Audio, an incredible panel hosted by Namilla Benson at Audiocraft 2018. Well, we started the show, it was just re- really organic and spontaneous, and I and Chelsea was looking for people to interview, and, she's, and I came back from Melbourne or something, and she said, when are you going to come in and talk on the radio? And so I said, I don't know, I don't do anything, what do you want me to talk about? And I was like, oh, anyway, as we do, we get, like, you know, distracted into another story, so I started telling her something about something that pissed me off. She goes, that's a show, come in and just tell me what pissed you off this week. That was Angelina Hurley from Wild Black Women. If you want to hear more, the episode is called Unpacking Blackness in Audio. It's in our podcast feed now. And make sure you check out Hey Auntie Season 2. We'd love to keep in touch. Sign up for our newsletter at audiocraft.com.au and find us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. We're at Audiocraft Fest. <laughs>